Welcome to Larry Brady's America. Uh, this is our fourth segment of uh, a veterans audio journal. And today's guest is Greg Neese. And uh, we're, we will be starting with Greg uh, when he first starts thinking about joining service. But uh, if you haven't listened to Greg's original podcast, which was on November 7th, 2022, you can go to LarryReedy.net, hit listen, scroll down to episode 11, and then you'll hear more of a more of a complete uh, biography, so to speak, of Greg. But so anyway, without further ado, Greg, welcome to my podcast. Hey, Larry. Okay. So when did you start thinking about the military? I'll tell you, when I was a kid watching Rambo, I thought that was the coolest movie ever. As a kid. <laughs> I, I, I have I have Rambo, I have all the Rambo's. <laughs> so do I. And uh, when I was, gosh, I would have been in grade school, second or third grade, somewhere around in there. My sister's boyfriend, he was in the army, and he was stationed in Germany. And he'd come home every six months or so. And uh, I just thought that was the coolest thing. Absolutely did. Still, I mean, still to this day, him and I are still friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I that pretty much said it for me. That's what I wanted to do. Okay, so uh, did you go in right after high school? I did, 15 days. 15 days, okay. So you you joined for three years? I did. And where did you take basic? Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Really? I was, you would think there would be Fort Knox a lot closer. But some of some of my friends went to Fort Knox. Um I, yeah, I don't know why, but I ended up in Fort Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. How was the post? Good? It was in the summer. It was hot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Summer. Palmetto bugs, fire ants, scorpions. Yeah. Black widows, brown recluse. Yeah. Yeah, the normal That's, stuff. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so after basic, where'd you go for advanced basic, and what was your MOS? I was 63 Hotel. Um which is a combat mechanic. Mm -hmm. So I worked on everything. Where did you take your advance at? Aberdeen Proving Grounds on Edgewood Arsenal, which is, Edgewood Arsenal is the military's nuclear, biological, and chemical. That's where they, I don't know if they still do, but back then that's where they did all that stuff at. Okay. Eight weeks? Six months. Really? Yeah, six months. Whoa, that's that's a long one. Uh, I got forgot to turn my phone off, and I I just put it on. Uh, I got my hearing aids. The phone goes right into my hearing aids, drives me crazy. Uh, anyway, so how would you describe yourself when you joined the army? What was well, I, I, when I had Chaz on last night, I asked him, I said, would you describe yourself as a little crazy asshole or total asshole? <laughs> but, but I didn't really mean that. But how, 
where uh, I was a crazy asshole. Oh, okay. I, I was a stupid teenager. Yeah. I had no, I had no idea. Well, join the club. Yeah, I, I, yeah, like any teenager, I had no idea really what I was getting into. You know, I, everybody that I knew that had already been through one of one of my really good friends, he went in a year ahead of me. And the only thing that I was told was keep your mouth shut and your head down. Really? So that's through basic. Oh. So I, I went into basic. I never said a word. And that's hard to believe with me because everybody says I got a big mouth. Well, I don't believe that, but well, that's I was, what I've I was heard. acting platoon sergeant <laughs> basic, so I can keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, how six months? That's all schooling on your on your job. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty intense. Um, I had a. The, the combat aspect of it, but then in the military, there's there at that time there was five levels of maintenance. You know, ten being just the guy that may do some service work, all the way up to fifty level, which was you know the civilians. I was a forty level, so I was I was I was the highest level of, of maintenance that you could be, besides contractors. So. Um, on a job site, I, I outranked anybody that wasn't my MOS and had higher rank than I did. Okay. So, what, did you spend your whole tour of duty at Everdeen? No, then I, oh. went to Fort, I went to Fort Hood. Fort Hood? Yeah. Okay, that's Oklahoma. Texas. 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 Fort, Texas. Yeah, Fort, okay. Sills, Fort Sills, Oklahoma. Yeah, Fort Sills, yeah. Okay, so, how was Fort Hood? Apps. I love I love Texas. Yeah, why it was neat, neat Neat state. I mean, I, I was right dead center in the desert. It was hot, but man, it, it's just an amazing place. I love to go back and visit. Um, just so many good memories, things yeah. that what we did there, me and my friends, and yeah, we had a lot of fun. Okay, at at, at Fort Hood. Um, so this is it? Is they have missile base there or anything? Well, Fort Hood at that time was the largest military installation in the world. We had 60,000 service members alone. That yeah. doesn't include family and kids and everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, absolutely Campbell huge. Fort Campbell was only 38,000. What's that? Fort Campbell when I was there was only 38,000. Yeah, it's much smaller. Um, Fort Hood was absolutely just huge. And the, the base, the military doesn't own Fort Hood. They rent it from the Cattlemen's Association. Really? So... Yeah, there's there's free range cattle on North Fort Hood throughout the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. So, so, uh, so is there a part of the base was it missiles there? Or? So it's funny they they always said there wasn't, but there's certain parts of the certain parts of the base you could go up on top of a mountain, you could look down over you know a valley or whatever, and in the summertime it's so hot there and it's it's all dry, it's just desert yeah. and everything dies. But you could go up on the top of a mountain, there'd be a big circle down this valley, and everything on top of that circle was green. Really? Well, yeah, they say there's no silos, but obviously there was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was there any part of Fort Put Hood that was off limits, that was roped off? Oh, there was a lot. Yeah, you had, to have, you had to have special clearance to get into most of that stuff, which, because of my job, I did. So mm -hmm. those things, as long as I was on duty, I could go into most mm -hmm. of that stuff. The silos and things we weren't allowed to even get close to those things. Yeah, 
So what 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 did you actually do while you were at Fort Hood, and how did you progress in the service? We fixed everybody's broke shit. Yeah, that's what we did all day long. All day yeah, long. that's it. Um, being in the Cav was, um, I mean, it was a different lifestyle. Uh, the Cav, for the most part, deployed to everything. We we were always on DRB, which is deployment ready. That was constant. Um, we took turns. But we were on DRB for three months, then off three months, on three. So we were on that most of the time. Um, leave, you were, you could possibly have 10% of your staff on leave at any one time, but it all had to have approval. There was, I mean, it was, it was a pretty demanding, mm-hmm. it was a pretty demanding uh, duty station. And, you know, hell, I had no idea what I was getting into. I just was going to Texas and I had a lot of fun, but... But your 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 six months, you didn't have to take any uh, other schooling. Uh, no, it was all focused. Everything it was, was all focused. I mean, it, it, we did all combat training too, but you know, pretty much all day Monday through Friday, we we got up at four thirty, five o'clock. We did PT, had yeah. breakfast, yeah. and then went straight to school. And we were in school from eight o'clock until four, four thirty, depending mm-hmm. on what the day was, and then we'd come back go to the barracks, get something to eat, and then usually end up having a PT again that night. Yeah, yeah. So so on anything interesting happening at uh, Fort Hood with your tour there? We had just just the fun. Everything we did was fun. Even when we was in training and field, um, and we just, we made everything fun. I, I was with a good group of guys. There was about 10 of us. We were a very small crew. Uh, we were really focused on what we did and we specialized in and we were attached we were attached as a single MST to, to one battalion or one company and that's what we did okay. And are you still in touch with any of them? oh yeah yeah oh yeah so at Facebook or just texting or um, visit travel visit, visit oh, really? see people yeah one of, one of my one of my best friends he was just up here in November and deer hunted Really? Yeah, come up for two weeks and deer hunted and was he here left? for Thanksgiving. Florida. So, it, well, they're scattered all. I, I, still, oh, yeah. I still have a buddy of mine from Canals Inn that's in California, one in Maine. But I was, the one I was best man at his wedding, he just died a few months ago. He's from yeah. Wisconsin. And, uh, and guy was at Fort Campbell with, he lives in Tampa. And boy, yeah. We talk usually once a year. So next summer we're going to uh, Montana. One of my buddies is getting married. Um, he lives just just this side of Canada, so we're flying out there and staying for a week, and He's we're gonna go to the wedding and then travel around and do some stuff out there. Get yeah. married in the summer, I hope. Oh yeah, yeah. June. Yeah, <laughs> so it won't be too bad. Yeah. So, uh, did you have any? thoughts about reenlisting so i i was i was in during clinton and clinton had the drawdown and so i got hurt i asked for a reclass so i could stay in um had my shop foreman a few others you know i had to go before a before a medical board with a full bird colonel 
and had some few people talk on my behalf and asked if I could reclass and stay in, and they wouldn't they wouldn't even consider it. They said Department of the Army said no. They did. They let me out with a good reenlistment code, and I spent. I came home and I probably spent a year trying to get back in. Really. Um, but because of the drawdown, there was no options. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, when you came out of the army versus going in, oh, how did you change? The military matures you a lot, but in other ways, the military changes you to ways that people never understand if they don't do it. Um, from day one of your training all the way through basic AIT, you know, everybody, everybody's seen the commercials where they say an army of one, Mm -hmm. the army, the military in general teaches you to be a very selfish person. And there's a reason for that. If you're in combat and your buddy gets killed next to you, you don't have time to stop and cry. Right. You got to complete the mission. And so it, they train you to lose sympathy, empathy. You don't feel any of that stuff. Right. Um, you know, you don't, you don't feel a lot about life because that's what they train you to do. You have to be, you have to be combat ready. You have to be ready to kill somebody if you have to do that. So it makes you a different person. It matures you in a lot of ways, but in other ways, it makes you a different person that is not really the greatest in society. Most of my, most of the people that I was with, um, have always struggled with the same things. Uh, it's when you get older, it's not so bad. It kind of gets out of your system, but especially when you're younger, it, um, relationships are hard. Being Mm -hmm. close to people is hard. Um, doing things out in society is hard. I still don't, I don't like crowds. I don't like being in crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? It, it's it's just an uneasy feeling. If you can't see, you can't see everyone around you. It's an uneasy. I don't like people being behind me. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I try to sit in a restaurant. Always yes, where I got a full view. Of yep, people my back to the wall, and yeah. I want to see the door. Yeah. I want to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, I I I think I would have been that way whether I was in the army or not, but. Uh, when being an MP, I had a kind of a different outlook on things because most of most of my problems being an MP was with other servicemen. Yeah. Because I mean, there's really good group of people, but there's a really lot of assholes in the. You'll meet the smartest people in the world, but you'll also meet the absolute dumbest people in the world that you could ever imagine. How are they even breathing? I I think today it's different, even though I think eventually the draft's going to come back. But uh, I, I, when we had our home in Florida, my brother and I and a buddy of mine, Jim Boat, every Friday volunteered at the uh, military reception center at the airport. It was too (laughs) small to have USO. And man, these these people are very, very smart, very dedicated. The ones that were in for the long haul, yeah. and I met a lot of yeah. a lot of people there, and just um, totally different than than when I was in. Yeah. So, but it's uh, 
and I didn't have, I, I wasn't apprehensive because when I, when I came home on leave from the canal zone, I was over there for, I think, 13 months before I took a 30-day leave. Mm -hmm. Well, when I went back, I knew I was going to marry Nancy when I came yeah. home. So to, total different outlook. And, uh, yeah. uh, but and I said, I said on the other podcast that it, it took me two years to be able to sleep on a pillow. <laughs> and Air Force, Navy, they all had pillows. Army, never. I learned, I learned to sleep anywhere. Oh, I mean, literally. I could sleep standing up. And, it, mm -hmm. and it's just part of it. You, you sleep when you can. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, uh, but, and I, and again, I said it was another podcast. For a couple of years, I couldn't understand why people couldn't walk and keep in step. <laughs> so, uh, just sleep little, deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I still have to keep my gig line straight. Oh, I, I do too. I've never, and, you know, fold my I, clothes a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, some things stay with you, but, uh, I think the discipline that you get in the service will stay with you for life. Absolutely. And, yeah. And when I came out, I had a sense of patriotism that stayed with me the rest mm -hmm. of my life and didn't have any of that going on. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I still feel like I hold that oath that I took. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, uh, and when you, when you couldn't realist, I mean, was that your plan all the way, all while you were in the service that you wanted to reenlist and make a career out of it? Anybody that's in the military knows you can have terrible days, weeks, months yeah. where you just think, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this place. I hate being here. It's just part of it. You, you, your emotions. Well, it, it was a, it's an emotional roller coaster because you'll, you'll love it one day. You'll have so much fun. We, I mean, we trained hard, we worked hard, but we played even harder. Yeah. You know, those times things happen and you you feel like you're missing something or maybe I should be doing this. Those are the days that it's hard. But then the other days, you know, when you're busy and you have things to do and you're with your friends, those days you feel like... You know, I remember when I was trying to re-enlist, I kept thinking, man, I, I just want to get back there. And then I told myself one day, it'd never be the same because I'm not going to be back with the same guys. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to be with the same guys and the things that we built together. It ain't going to be that way again. So I, I always thought, thought I wanted to do 20. Um, one day to the next, that could be really great or it could be hell no. Yeah, It just depended on what you were doing. Yeah, And that's... That's pretty much how it is, but I, I, I did, and it, I loved it, and it's the easiest job you ever have. They tell you what to do all the time. You don't really have to think for yourself. Yeah, that's kind of what I don't like about it. Uh, I mean, you always got an SOP. It, yeah. it is you. You can't. You you can deviate some, but you can't change much. Everybody dresses the same. Everybody does the same. Yeah. It's just how it's built. Yeah. And there's reasons for that. Oh, absolutely. And because and basically, no matter what your MOS or, you know, military operations service, no matter what it is, 
you're you're trained to be an infantryman. Mm-hmm. You're trained to be yep. part of a fighting machine, and that's the whole purpose of all the services. Yes, you know, Army, Navy, Marines, uh, uh, Air Force. Although the Air Force is so cushy that it's. <laughs> My nephew's in. I always call it the chair force. He it, loves that. Yes, but um, we always call it the country club. <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, it's uh, it's it's great. But in, in fact, a, a buddy of mine that I went to school with, he he went to Naval Academy and he did two tours of uh, flying, you know, jets in mm-hmm. Vietnam, and. The one tour, as he was going over, his buddy was coming home in a body bag. And he wound up marrying his buddy's wife. Because, I mean, he was single, and they always take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And the craziest thing, he was on a mission and he had to ditch the plane. And when he ejected, his head hit the cockpit. So he didn't pay him. He had a stiff neck for a while. About, about five years ago, he was out for dinner. His neck broke. I mean, he was in, he oh, was in wow. a brace for like six months. It just, it just out, out of nowhere. Yep. And uh, when he came out, he was a... Uh, he became an exec with a different company, but he was a test pilot for General Electric when he came out. So, uh, interesting life. And and he, he said the neat thing about when he was in the States, again, the Air Force, it's, it's just a different world. You know, you had to put in so many hours flight time a month. You, it just was a must. Yeah. So he... He'd wait and he'd pick out something. He was stationed in California, and uh, so he'd take a weekend fly to New York City. <laughs> and and actually, when he put in the hours in, he was on per diem, mm-hmm. so he had he had government money to enjoy himself for a weekend and yeah. fly back. So it's just, uh, but the, the Air Force always amazed me because. Uh, and, and I don't think that in the DNA they could treat anybody in the Army and the Marines the same way because you can't have Mm-mm. that nice, soft life. No. You, you, you're trained. You have to be. You, you know, when, when I was in basic, uh, like our barracks, for instance, had three floors. The first floor was low stress. Three floors? Yeah. Where the else? first floor was low stress. The middle floor was like medium, and the top floor where I was was high stress combat MOSs instead of like maybe a cook or uh, you know office people whatever they might be in the lower ones. <coughs> and there there was a big difference in the PT, the way they treated you, how hard they were on you. I mean, it it just was it just was like that. When I was on Fort Hood and I had new recruits coming in that I was training, before I got out, they were coming in, they had these stress cards. The craziest thing I ever heard of. And they said, well, yeah, when you're in basic, if you're having a rough day and getting a little too stressed, you just 
show the drill sergeant your stress card, and he's got he's got to basically leave you alone for the day. Yeah. I said, "What in the world? How how can you do that?" But it 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 the military really changed. Yeah. Yeah. What I got? Th this is for the audience. Right now, you're hearing a little bit of background noise, and these omnidirectional microphones are picking up. It's like 28 degrees out. They're picking up the fan, which is, uh, well, I don't know, probably 45 feet away on the furnace. And it's very irritating. And I'm looking at buying some couple of shotgun microphones that uh, we don't have this trouble uh, when uh, the weather's nice. But today it's really cold. and. Uh, uh, so you're hearing that background noise. I'm sorry for that. I'm going to try and correct the problem here. I'm checking out different microphones now. But anyway, back to, back to you because that is annoying as hell. It yep. just, uh, and, uh, but it's better than freezing. Absolutely. I'll take it. <laughs> so so when, when you were training recruits, so... They've already been through the six-month school. Yeah. So they come in at the lowest rating, and you're training them to get better at their job. Depending on their MOS, they can come in different levels, but you know as well as I, when you go through AIT, what they tell you your job's going to be. Tell what AIT means. Tell oh, advanced all. individual training. Yeah, right. Okay. When, when they tell you what your job's going to be, that ain't what your job is. <laughs> you do whatever the hell they tell you to do. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it, you always got to improvise. You yeah. got to figure it out. It's just what you do. So a lot of times we would have new guys that would come in. Maybe they've never turned a wrench. Maybe they've never shot a gun. Yeah. So, you know, that was our job to bring them in and basically get them ready, hold their hand through it. And I, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I, I started turning wrenches with my dad and my brother-in-law and other people when I was a kid. And so I had a pretty good idea what I was doing. So it, it was a lot easier for me than other people. Mm -hmm. um, it just came to me pretty easy and I understood the mechanical side of it. So I got lucky enough to me and one other guy, we got lucky enough to take all the new guys and train them and, and work with them. And and I like doing that um, it, because we can make them do all the stuff we didn't want to do. <laughs> for one, and for two, you know, there's always, there's always the classic jokes you play on the new guys. You send them to the tool crib for some, uh, a box of AIR Mm -hmm. or, you know, some India Delta 10 Tangos and stuff like that, grinder sparks. You know, we sent them for all the good stuff. Well, yeah. And uh, that, that was always a good time. The, the one thing that was we had going for us in the canal zone, you, you know, there was rich and poor, very, and, and Panama itself, very little middle class. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we paid this one fellow, his name was Jimmy. We paid him $5 a week to come in, shine our shoes, press our uniforms. And 
in the MPs, we we had to pay. We mm -hmm. got our shirts tailored. We had to do it. And uh, but and then like in the kitchen, nobody pulled the AP. We had these little sandblast Indians that did all the kitchen work, all the cleanup stuff and everything, mm -hmm. all the janitor stuff. And uh, I think the whole company might have paid another $5 a week for that. Yeah. So, it, it, and it, it was worth it because we didn't have to do any of the crap work. We didn't have time for that. Yeah. You know, those, those guys that we had doing that stuff, most of the time the things that we didn't want to do that they did, we, we took our time doing it too. Mm -hmm. And it's just a rite of passage. You know, those guys come in, they do the stuff that that no, that somebody else don't want to do. And then they move up, and then the next guy comes in, and it's their turn to do that stuff. It, it really is just part of learning your job and what you're doing. Did you ever have any problem where you either had to go to your company commander or, uh, or your uh, sergeant major or who, whoever top sergeant was that, that you wanted to do something and they just they just wouldn't do it. They are no, no, nothing no, like huh? that. No, it, it it would take it would take a lot for me to do that to somebody. You find your own you find your own way to you find your own way to deal with those situations. Well, I little little story here, and I was in my last year in Canal Zone and. Uh, Baseball season was getting ready to start. So I went into the company commander and I said, I, I want to sign up for Jungle Warfare Training Center. And he said, uh, you have malaria or any other tropical disease, or are you just stupid? And I said, <laughs> well, maybe the, the latter. <laughs> and he said, why do you want to do that? I said, it's survival. I said, they, they give you a compass, a knife. You, you train for about, I think it was six weeks, five weeks was classroom. You learn all the nasty snakes, all the poisonous food, because you got to be on your own. You leave mm -hmm. with a live chicken, canteen full of water and pills to it get water out mm -hmm. there and make it pure to drink. And uh, the only thing that ever worried me, a real nasty snake in canal in Panama was a fertilance. Mm -hmm. Because if you kill one, they always travel in twos. And the other one's going to come get you. Mm -hmm. so, uh, but anyway, so you, you get out in the jungle, they drop you in the jungle, and you had a week, or you had five days to get back. And I'm sure there was somebody working and watching you in case you ran in trouble, but I don't know that for a fact. But I, I, would, I would think they won't let, you know, some panther eat you or get killed by a damn snake. So I just thought that would be really cool when you get this patched, you know, JWC, Jungle Warfare training. So Captain... Forty says, hey, Brad, can I talk you out of this? No, no, I said, I really want to do this. Since you're going to miss baseball season. I said, that's okay. So about two days later, top sergeant, for the master sergeant or the top sergeant 
called me and the top, top said that. He got a phone call. I thought, Jesus, somebody's sick at home or who's, who's going to call mm-hmm. me? Post commander. He said, uh, hey, Reedy, this is, I can't remember his last colonel something or other. He said, I understand you want to go to Jungle Warfare Training Center's class. Said, yeah, so what? He said, that's fine. But he said, I just want to let you know, if if you're not on the baseball team opening day, you're going to effing Korea. <laughs> I said, well, I'm a short timer. He said, I don't give a shit. If you got a week left, you're going to go to that shithole. So I didn't go to Jungle Warfare Training Center. <laughs> so I, I finished my time out, but I really wanted to do that. And I talked to a couple guys and been through it, and they said, boy, it's really tough. I said, well, I just I want to do something that I haven't here. You know, playing baseball and playing MP for two years was, wasn't really tough. Yeah. I, I had some incidents, but I wanted to do something that I would never dream of doing as a civilian, and I didn't get that opportunity. Yeah. And because these these damn post commanders, they bet on anything. They they just they love to gamble, and mm-hmm. baseball was a big thing for them. Yeah. So so anyway, that was my. That's the only time I had to ask for something, and and they said no. They didn't say no, but. Yeah, you're you're gonna pay the consequences. Yeah. So, when I was when I was brand new to Fort Hood, they grabbed me and said, "You're going to funeral detail." Oh Jesus! I said, "You got to be kidding oh. me!" That was a group of us that got in a van and we drove all over Texas. Yep. And did the funerals. Oh Jesus! It was. It's not my thing, yeah. but you don't. You're not given a choice. Yeah, you will do this. So, yeah, yeah. Got to ride around, and see a lot of a lot of stuff around Texas. Slept through most of it, but yeah. Oh man, that's that's. Well, you know, Tim Kiefer's done a great thing with the mm-hmm. Gold Star families and been doing it for years, and uh, and Walt did a great documentary on that. So. Yeah, and uh, for the listening audience, if you want to see something that's very moving uh go to youtube and uh, look up a ride to remember documentary and it has to do deal with a group of guys they ride motorcycles once a year to gold star families in indiana and kentucky and such and they have a service at each stop it's uh it's very moving and something everybody should see and uh walt anyking who was on my uh actually my first full podcast and also is the first one on the uh veterans podcast uh he he won all kind of awards for this uh film documentary and it's it's really worth watching but so anyway, what do, what do you think about the kids really not joining the service today? I mean, there there's one one student at Batesville High School that's joined this year. There used to be five or six every year. You know, short of making this a political stand, 
it's ridiculous what they've done to the military. Oh, sure. They've made a mockery of it. I mean, it's 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 pathetic yeah. what they've done, and no, and nobody wants to be affiliated with that. They may act like it's it's okay, but no, it ain't. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was in, we had don't don't ask, don't tell, and it wasn't anybody's bother what somebody else did. Yeah. In my opinion, I don't care what somebody else does. It ain't my business. Yeah. So. It just seems like trying to force, trying to force things on military. You know, the military is about the mission. Yeah. It's it's point blank. That's it. It's about the mission. It's not it's not some kind of social program. It is the mission, and yeah. that's it. And I think they're going to wind up. They're going to have to have the draft back because it's it's just you know unless I mean you you got a admiral tranny in the government. What the hell does that say? Well, they kicked out all those people that wouldn't get the COVID shot. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And it's, now, you know, they're well, begging them to come back and they're saying no. Well, and the research is showing and doctors are admitting to it that uh, some people have had really bad reactions mm -hmm. and it's still happening between blood. I mean, I got all the COVID shots. I won't get this new one, but and neither will man's, but I mean, blood clots, strokes, uh, loss of memory, all kind of things have happened to some people. And, and they haven't pinpointed which shot it was, but uh, they, this new one they've got out, they haven't really had time to... They research anything. Search. It's just they know stupid. what they're doing. Yeah. You, you know, I, I just, I have... I have my own beliefs on it, but what, what they did to the military, you know, the military itself, in my opinion, is probably not combat ready anymore. The people there, you know, there's, there's military members that are just, just as badass as they always yeah. were, but that doesn't mean the military itself is combat ready. And that, that is to blame on leadership. Yeah. Well, I, I would say. Leadership might not be combat ready, but, That's, but yes. I think the people are still trained yes. the old way. And uh, and once you once you get the training in, you're combat ready unless you have like I I had this simpleton second lieutenant that went through West Point in the canal zone, and his common sense was zero. He, he, I mean, he yep. if he would have been commanding. A company and combat, he would die a friendly fire because he put people so in harm's yeah. yeah, he put people in harm's way. Yeah, so. we had we had fun with our lieutenants. Yeah. Yeah. So we had one that he went to bed one night and woke up in the morning hanging from an eighty eight and he was duct taped to his cot. And, yeah. <laughs> well well, you know, it, it's it's a shame, but and, and it's it's the same with corporations. It's it's all over. You got yeah. some people that just can't do the job. They, in fact, this second lieutenant in Alza, I think he reached Peter's principal when he was about ten years old. So, I mean, he's just just that that that's stupid. And uh, uh, they eventually uh, he went from being an executive officer in the company. He went into the mess hall as executive officer, and uh, 
the, the mess sergeant who had 23 years in says, I won't do my 30. I think it was, might have been more than that. He says, get rid of this idiot or I'm not doing So company commander talked to uh, provost marshal into taking him up in his office. That lasted three days. And he came back, packed his things, and went to infantry. So just... Uh, the, the good thing, where I was at, most of our lieutenants, they had, they, a lot of them went green to gold. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were enlisted and then they switched. And so they knew, they knew what it was about. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of in-betweens there. It was pretty good. Even most of our chiefs, they were, they were really good too. You yeah. know, they, they had a really good background. They had a knowledge of what, what we were doing. They did, they didn't just bark out orders. Um, most of them would jump in and work with us. They, they were, but it's different when you're, when you're in a, when you're at a duty station, that's combat ready. Mm-hmm. It's, it's different. Yeah. It's different than being somewhere that's, that's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that, and I, I, I'm sure it still is now, but I've been out for over 20 years, but at the time Fort hood, I mean, most deployments came out of Fort hood. We did not, there was no jungle training by the time I was in, in the nineties, everything was desert training, yeah. everything we did. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, every, everything that I knew of, everything was aimed at desert training. Yeah. Well, you know, I got out in 61, <laughs> so it's, it's, things have really changed since <laughs> And, uh, cause I, I mean, some of the guys that in my company, uh, you know, they were in Korea and, uh, yeah. I, I, my six year obligation was over when I got out. So Vietnam wasn't even thought of yet. Yeah. So it was, uh. But just, it was a totally different world than the military today. And, you know, it's a, it's a real shame because um, that's something that should never change. Mm-hmm. And you have to have, you, you hit, no matter who it is in the presidency, that's your commander in chief. Yeah. And if you look at what we've got now, I mean... You know, the funny thing, when I when I was in, you know, we had Clinton, you'd go in an orderly room and most of them did not have his picture up. It said photo not available. You'd go in the closet and it was thrown on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. Because the military, yeah. the military hated Clinton. Yeah. yeah. You know, he took all our money. He cut troops. He cut everything he could. And military members could not stand him. I mean, even from leadership, they yeah. could not stand him and the things that he did. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, you know, that's, it's been a rough ride. Uh, we've had a couple decent presidents, uh, which I'm not getting into what the audience judge who those are. And, uh, but when Harry Truman was president, both sides could compromise. Yeah, those days are done. Yeah. JFK had a chance to be a good president. But when Johnson took over, it went to hell in a handbasket. 
There's so many bad things about LBJ. Oh, he's a... And, and what he did. He's a scum. Yes. He's pawn scum. Yes. I mean, it's just... And I we shouldn't talk politics, but... So anyway, if... if uh, would you advise a young person to join today? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Would you advise him to join the Army? Decide what you want to do. I can't anymore because it's been so long. When I was in, you know, actually, I was going to sign up for the Air Force. And the recruiter, had to, he was supposed to be at my house. He didn't show up. Really? The Army recruiter showed up because one of my best friends who went in the Army a year before me, he enlisted with this with this recruiter. Yeah. So that recruiter showed up at my house and said, hey, Jeff told me to come see you. said you want to join the military. Said you were thinking about the Air Force and thought I could change your mind. I said, well, he was supposed to be here an hour ago, so you changed my mind. Yeah. So at that point. Well, just stop. If you would have been in the Air Force, you might turn it out to be a candy ass. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe I am now. <laughs> so, I, I should say that. I thought I, Rob Jones was on. He was Air Force. and uh, But, I mean... It's just a different world. It is. It is. It is. So that picture that you posted of, I mean, I've known, I've known Hot Rod for decades. Yeah. And one of the best people that I know. But you look at that picture of him, and that that kind of tells what the Air Force was. And look at look at look at a picture. Look at his face, and just how hardcore he looks yeah. in that picture. That that is the military. Yeah. And yeah, and it. And, and and I, you know, I kid around about that, but I mean, the Air Force, it's, I mean, it's, you got to have it. And, but I just, I, I guess to attract people to the Air Force, they have to have a lifestyle. I mean, I, all, Allbrook Air Force Base in Canal Zone, we'd play a baseball game there, and they'd bring you a menu menu in a mess hall yeah and pitcher beer but i will say the air force the air force has some pretty awesome special ops stuff oh no i mean quite. they have afsoc in florida and afsoc they afsoc runs a lot of special yeah. operations throughout the world oh, I, it's, agree. It's, I agree they're pretty intense yeah and and you know the uh, uh and i mean I, I i think all the services are great and one that's really underestimated and I've even mentioned this before. I got to get somebody on here, but uh, my brother Bill, after four years in the Navy, did a stint of four years in the Coast Guard. And boy, I'll tell you what—you know, you the the amount of drug trafficking that they stop, yep. and the things that they can that they do to protect our coastline, everything's just amazing. So one of one of my friends grew up across the street from me when we were kids. I'll tell you his name after, and maybe you can get a hold of him and get him on. He lives in Maine since he retired from, from the Coast Guard. Um, he went in the Army, and he was a sniper, and then he transferred to the Coast Guard and finished out his career in the Coast Guard. And um, he's got some cool stories. He was in a lot of different places. Uh, I only know a few people that were in the Coast Guard because they're – to get in the Coast Guard is very strict. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't they don't just let anybody in. I and mean, you have a there's a lot of requirements. So um, I only I've only known a few people that were in the Coast Guard, but yeah, 
Well, uh, you know, but the, the reason my brother, my brother came home, uh, he had about 30, I think 30 days to re-enlist and keep his rank, and he was on a air, couple of different aircraft carriers in Korea, and um, came home, got married, and they both had this adventurous spirit of going places. And he went in the Coast Guard so he could get stationed in Alaska. Oh, I love Alaska. <laughs> he just loved Alaska. Yep. And uh, and when he was discharged, stayed in, out in Seattle for a couple years and then wound up coming back. My friend that I mentioned, he actually ran the port on Kodiak. Oh, really? Yeah, for a few years. Wow. Yep. I mean, it, I've never been, would love to have gone. But Alaska's just, amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. Well, anyway, any words of wisdom before we call it a day here? I, I, I truly believe that every young man should at least consider, if not join the military. If not, just do a three-year, just do a three-year mm -hmm. tour. You know, there's a lot there to offer. Um Looking back, there's one regret that I have to say about it. After Clinton was gone, I wish I would have re-enlisted. Mm -hmm. But by the time that happened, I had already bought a house, yep. started my career, had all these things in line, and I kept kicking it back and forth if I wanted to. Um, before I knew it, I started college. And I, I wish, looking back, I wish I would have, would have done it. Uh, the only thing that I will say... Because the military takes a, it takes a big toll on your body. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't cut you any slack. It's tough on your body. You know, the hip replacement that I have to have now, those problems started when I got hurt when I was an AIT. And so, you know, if I, if I would have went back in, I may have ended up with more damage than I have now. I, I don't know, but I wish I would have at least tried. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I look back on and probably... That is because of my patriotism. Yeah. Well, see, when I came out of the military, because I had a lot of times, I, I was always in shape. So in 1961, I came out at 190 pounds with a 31-inch waist. I had basically no body fat. Mm -hmm. Now I'm 190 pounds with a 36-inch waist, and everything is just sunk. That happens you know? with age. Yeah. 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 And it's just... And no matter how much I work out with the weights, I do it three days a week, uh, it's not coming back. <laughs> when I graduated high school, I was 145 pounds. Oh, my God. And really? I was skinny as a rail. Jesus. And in eight weeks of basic training, I went from 145 to 185. Yeah. Well, I was 170-something when I got out of high school. And uh, uh, I hit... I think basic training, I got to about 185, and then when I was MP, about 190. I was, I got to the point, I was maxing out my PT test, except the run. I could not run fast, but push-ups, sit-ups, I'd max all that out. Um, when I got out, I came home, and that's because I wanted back in. I really kicked it in high gear, and I worked out probably six days a week. Yeah. And I, I never, I never quit doing that until I was probably around 40 that's when i slowed down yeah um just getting older and injuries and aches and pains and yeah. arthritis and stuff but otherwise i always stayed 
extremely active. When I was younger, I had no thoughts of lifting weights, staying in shape. I didn't care because I was so skinny. I I don't think I could have changed anything. But the military, they feed you right. They bust your ass. You have no choice but to get in shape, get strong, and just get better. Well, in Panama, you know, where, I mean, the weather's, they say it's... Well, you sweat off anything. You can't gain nothing there. Well, I'll tell you what. If I pitched a nine-inning game, and that happened more than a few times, I'd lose about 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. So my ritual was, and when the game was over, the first thing I'd do, I'd get malted milk, I'd eat a steak, and then I'd drink a couple quarts of beer, and then I'd drink water, water, yep. water, and by the next day, I'd have five or six pounds of it put back on. But you just, no matter how much water you drink, I mean, I, I pitch in games where it's 100 degrees down yep. there and and very humid. And no matter how much water you drink, you, you just can't rejuvenate your body yeah. until the afterwards and the next day. But it was... Uh, One of the coolest things... Before Larry the Cable Guy made it big, he's from Oklahoma. He did like comedy shows in Oklahoma and Texas mm-hmm. and stuff, and he did radio shows on Fort Hood. They used it's, I think they use it for in processing and out processing now. But when I it was across the road from my barracks, it was called the Sports Dome, and there was there was like five bars in there. So, you know, we all we were all twenty one or over, even if you weren't. So, yeah. <laughs> Got to got to meet, hang out with, drink beer with, and uh, got to know Larry the Cable Guy before he became big. I got out of the army, and a while after I got out, he started the blue collar comedy. I'm like, I know that guy. Yeah. I I got autographed shirt, and he made some comedy tapes and stuff. I got all that stuff from him because he'd come there and he'd do a comedy show, and then he'd go sit at the bar, and nobody knew him, nobody cared who he was. We just go. We go sit and drink beer with him. He was he was a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, it's good. To, well, anyway, we're we're about fifty five minutes. So I think we better close this out with the national anthem and uh, try to see what it's. Uh, oh, I got time before the next guy. <laughs> so, so anyway, it it's been fun, and uh, let's hit the national anthem here. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, God bless you. God bless the United States of America. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. <laughs>